Welcome to another episode of the Keeping It 100 podcast. This is Jordan Rosario, aka DJ Storytime, coming to you live on October 26th, about 1 o'clock my time, or, or 3 o'clock for all of you New Yorkers and East Coasters out there. Man, do we have a jammed pack show for you today, as we need to talk about a lot. A lot of what's going on in the football league right now, specifically, what in the world happened in week seven? I mean, we've got, you know, all these particular games. I'm, I'm specifically talking about Atlanta Falcons, Detroit Lions, 49ers, New England Patriots, Chiefs, Broncos, Browns, Bengals, Seahawks, Cardinals, that Excellent, excellent game on Sunday night, that overtime thriller, if you will. We're going to talk about that and a lot more of what happened in the NFL. We are also going to get into a little preview of what's to come with the Chicago Bears and Los Angeles Rams. That game is coming on tonight, Monday night football for you. We are also going to... Talk about what happened in some of my fantasy football leagues. I'm going to give you some updates on what's going on over there. Uh, how I turned out great, how I turned out bad, and how I turned out just plain, plain ugly, unfortunately. We are also going to go ahead and talk about what's going on with the World Series. We had a Game 5 last night. And we'll talk a little bit more about uh, some of the re- reactions from Game 5. We're also going to give you a uh, a preview of what's to come in Game 6 and Game 7. We're also going to go into a, a little Black Clover. I'm going to talk about some of the... Uh, episodes that I've watched and also give you a review on some of the episodes that are coming to you and then I'll uh, give you also a little bit of a update on uh, what's going on with the channel what's going on with me personally and uh, how that is all going to coalesce together so without further ado let's not waste any time and get right into it Hey everybody, as I said before, this is Jordan Rosario, aka DJ Store Time, coming to you on a Monday afternoon, October 26th. And you know what? Let's, let's talk about this, by the way, just before we even get into the NFL, before we go over some of the games from yesterday. If you have not already done so, if you have not done your American patriotic duty of voting, you need to vote, okay? Because let me tell you a quick story. Let me tell you a quick story. So I, I've been on the bandwagon of, you know, going out and voting, you know, making your voice heard. So, you know, I, I, I've been procrastinating on this, unfortunately. I've, uh, you know, haven't been, you know, as, uh, you know, prudent in terms of getting myself over to the polls. So I decided before I started the show today, because, you know, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about what's to come uh, later this week. But I decided, you know what? It's time for me to stop procrastinating. It's time for me to go out there and do as I preach in the show, which is to vote. So about eight o'clock. Now, let me give you a picture of what's going on in Colorado. So we are, we just got out of a snowstorm. We just got out of, you know, having, uh, you know, about two, three, four inches of snow on the ground, I would say, right around there. And it's also pretty cold. And I, I want to say right now it's probably in the, the, the teens, maybe even the single digits right now. But, uh, you know, I decided, you know what, let's put on the boots. Let's put on my sweater. 
let's put on my Denver Broncos sweater, which, you know, uh, as we get into uh, some of the football games, I don't know if I, you know, have, uh, I didn't know I'd had the strength, the courage to actually wear that after what happened uh, yesterday. But again, we'll get there. We will get there. Don't worry. So anyway. I'm uh, walking over to the polls, and there's a nice, there's actually a very close poll, maybe about a 20-minute walk. I went over to, uh, you know, the there's one off of uh, 20, I want to say it's, uh, and I can't, uh, you know what, let me go ahead and get that address for you before I, before I make stuff up here, but... Um, yeah, I went to uh, you know the Hiawatha Davis Junior Recreation Center, which is uh, you know right around the Denver Stapleton area. It's off of a Holly Street, Holly and Thirty uh, Third. And I went over there. I uh, and listen, there's a I've been very procrastinating in terms of actually getting my voter registration info updated. Uh, luckily, I didn't have so much trouble last time. Uh, back in uh, 2016, you know, because everything was kind of, uh, you know, situated a lot better. But this particular year, I had to uh, just kind of get my registration updated, make sure that everything is in place. You know, I had to show them the proper paperwork, the proper ID and whatnot, which I want to say took about the realm of, uh, I don't know, 15, 20, 25 minutes, right around there. Again, a very, very rough estimate, you know, considering the fact that I uh I didn't really pay attention to time. I was just like, okay, let's get this done. I'm excited. We're finally getting the voting done. So after that, they uh, hand me the uh, kind of the the cards, you know, the the ballots, which is about you know six pages, you know, in terms of you know who you know you're voting not only for the presidential candidate, of course, but you're also voting for you know at least for Colorado some the senators, the uh, judicial district, the uh, House of Representatives. Some measures that are, you know, locally happening here. And we don't have to go into too much detail because that's irrelevant. What, but what I'm trying to say is, yeah, I would want to say I got over to the station at about 8.20, 8.30, right around there. And I also kind of like, you know, took a picture of myself because, uh, you know, I wanted to show people around the world that, yes, I did go out. I did vote. Now do the same. Please make your voice heard. And I want to say getting everything put together, I got out of there around 916. So let me give you a kind of a time frame, right? So I had to, I probably got over there around 830, 835, 840. And I had to, you know, get myself properly registered, which t- took around, you know, 5, 10, 15, I'm sorry, 15, 20, 25 minutes, right around there. Then I had to actually do the ballot, which I would say took about 10 to 15 minutes if I roughly. Then I had to turn in the ballot. Then I had to get my my fancy sticker because you know what? I, I, I Listen, I got to make sure I'm, I'm fashionably trending. I got to make sure that I got the fancy stickers and whatnot. Then I got out of there. Then I got home. And then, you know, I, I took some time to prepare for the show. And I also took some time to get my some notes ready for another appearance, which I'll be talking about very much later into the show. So we'll get all, we'll get all that taken care of. But what am I trying to say? What is this particular story all about it took me about i want to say 30 35 40 minutes to vote going to the polling center 
On top of that, I had to walk about 20, uh, a mile when it was snowing, when it was cold. I'm not complaining. I'm glad that I got this done. My point is, what's your excuse? Why can't you do it? Why are you not able to, and I'm not trying to attack anybody who hasn't voted yet, because you've got plenty of time, uh, the election's not until November 3rd, uh, believe me, I am not trying to attack anybody, all I'm trying to say is, if I can do it, what would prevent, you know, anybody else from doing it? it, it it's a, uh, it's very much a, for me, just a it was very easy for me i would say it was very painless actually the people over where i went was very courteous kind of showed me what to do is very quick a very easy process so uh listen a plus for the staff over at the recreation center a plus absolutely but more to the point go out there and vote please we need to make your voice heard. I don't care who you choose. I don't care if you support your me- your local measures or not. All I'm trying to say is make your voice heard. Don't waste that right to vote. It, 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 it if you do, then you don't get to complain about what's going on in this country because you didn't make your voice heard. So go out there and vote, or you, or don't don't get into political or don't talk about political matters. That's what I'm going to say about that. After my diatribe on that, let's go ahead and talk about some of these NFL games that happened. Now, I've already touched on the Giants and Eagles with my buddy uh, Andrew Lenz from Let's Just Talk But No Politics Okay podcast. You definitely check him out as uh, this Sunday you'll actually be able to hear the episode that I was, you know, that I was honored to be a part of. I was honored to make an appearance on this podcast. Definitely appreciate his generosity and the opportunity to be on there. And also, you know, he also does great work in the NFL history on the Two Point Conversation podcast. And yeah, he's definitely a great football guy to have. Definitely very knowledgeable in the game. So I would definitely check those two particular podcasts out. But so we're not going to cover the Giants and Eagles since we've already done that. So let's go to our first game. And what's that first game? Well, we need to talk about the Lions and Falcons. And we will get into the specifics of the Lions and Falcons. But we're going to go ahead and first talk about, let's talk about the losers first here, which the Atlanta Falcons are. Matt Ryan, 31 for 42, 338 yards, a touchdown, and an 88.2 QBR rating. Not a bad day whatsoever. A very good day from him. Todd Gurley. And if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, that is going to give you a uh, a cause to get into a rage, which I don't blame you for. But uh, Todd Gurley, 23 carries, 63 yards, two touchdowns. And we'll talk about one of those two touchdowns in just a moment. And he also had two receptions, 19 yards. And for fantasy, if you had Julio Jones, eight receptions, 97 yards. If you had Calvin Ridley, you had five receptions for 69 yards and a touchdown. I would say also Hayden Hurst, especially if you're in PPR, and Russell Gage if you're in PPR. Both had six receptions each. Both had 50 yards. Yards plus for the day. Now, 
The winners, Matthew Stafford, 25 for 36, 340 yards, a touchdown, a 77.7 QBR. Uh, you had DeAndre Swift, 9 carries, 27 yards, and a touchdown. And Adrian Peterson, not the best day, 11 carries and 29 yards. And Kenny Galladay, 6 receptions, 114 yards. Uh, Marvin Jones Jr., who I kind of was like, hey, t- take a look at him. 5 receptions, 80 yards, so not... Not the not the day I was hoping for, but certainly he did get his targets, and he certainly did have his receptions. And you had T.J. Hawkinson, who had five receptions, 20, uh, 59 yards, and a touchdown. And also, if we want to talk about DeAndre Swift, he had four receptions, 21 yards. Now, the Detroit Lions won this game. They are now 3-3. Three and three. The Fal- Atlanta Falcons lost this game, who are 1-6. and six. Now, no one really is looking at these teams like perennial, you know, threats in the playoffs or nothing like that. The Lions have a chance to actually do something. The Lions have a chance to actually still get into the mix of things, you know, three and three. That's definitely not a, you know, a cause to pause, a cause of saying, oh, you're not in the race entirely. They definitely have the ability to get themselves back, back in there. But we need to talk about what happened in the fourth quarter. And, this is a trend for the Atlanta Falcons. And, you know, I know that we, we're going to have a few Atlanta Falcon fans uh, listening in, including my man, uh, you know, Professor X, Kesey from the X Squad Radio Network. I definitely appreciate uh, him listening in and get, also giving me the opportunity, by the way, to do the DJ Storytime Saturday morning and Saturday night liquor mix that I do from uh, every Saturday starting at 9 in the morning. Although I didn't do one last week just because, you know, I had a a few things going on, you know, personally that were just kind of, you know, winding me down. I was just like, eh, let's not bring that energy onto the onto the mix right now. So I'll have a fire mix for you next Saturday, and I'm not getting into uh, what happened, so let's leave it at that. But, so, and, and you know, there's also a few other, uh, and I also need to say this in a uh, a very... I wouldn't say cautious. I would say, you know, understanding, compassionate tone. But let's be honest here. Atlanta did not blew yet another lead. Now, there are two ways that you can look at this. And we can look at Todd Gurley first. I mentioned that he had scored two touchdowns. Well, if you are Todd Gurley, one of those particular touchdowns came very late in the fourth quarter with about a minute to go. And at that time... Atlanta was leading, I'm sorry, Detroit was leading 16 to 14. And you go for the touchdown. You you get yourself into the end zone. However, there's this question of why did you do that? Why didn't you just stay, you know, out of the end zone and allow the uh, field goal kicker who is young hoku young hoku why didn't you just let him try for the the field goal to win it all and you know listen if you if you have an opportunity to score a touchdown i'm not going to put that onus necessarily on todd Gurley because he did his thing uh, he, 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 he got his stats and if you're a fantasy football owner you'll be very happy with todd Gurley. but he got the touchdown and then they try for the two-point conversion. They got it. They're up by six. However, again, as I have, we have all stated on this show, Atlanta Falcons defense and leads don't necessarily go hand in hand. 
most of the time. Not counting the uh, win against the Vikings last week. But, so Detroit's driving down. And in the last seconds, I want to say there was about two seconds left to go after this snap. Uh, Matt Stafford was scrambling around, found TJ Hawkinson for the go-ahead touchdown. And you had Matt Prater, who had missed a field goal on his last attempt. Uh, They got the extra point, and the Detroit Lions won the game. And so here's my question, right? Where is this defense for Atlanta? Do they just not have the fourth quarter mentality, that mentality of, hey, maybe try to protect a lead? Maybe try not to have Detroit drive down on you when they couldn't even do anything in terms of scoring points. Now, now listen, they they did score points in every quarter, but Atlanta was holding them pretty close at that point to 16 points. You think, okay, Atlanta should have that mentality to hold on now, considering that they don't have the pressure of kicking a field goal. You have to go for a touchdown. That's difficult. Well, unfortunately, this Falcons defense does not know how to do that. And I'm going to be completely honest if you're an Atlanta Falcons fan right now. You have a lot of work to do with this defense. This isn't Matt Ryan's fault. He could he did everything that he possibly could. This isn't this off, offense's fault. 22 points should genuinely get you a win. I, I know that offenses score a lot more points nowadays. I totally get that. But why are you not able to hold a lead defense? Why? You know, I, I'm just I, I'm completely surprised by that. And they Atlanta has a lot of work to do. I, I, I'm going to leave it at that. So let's talk about the next scene that we got going on. And this one was a very competitive game with all things considered. Uh, the Cleveland Browns uh, beat the Cincinnati Bengals 37 to 34. You know, let's start with the, uh, the losers first. Joe Burrow, 35, 47, 406 yards, three touchdowns, one pick, 84.5 QBR rating. Very good. Very, very, very good. And. Admittedly, I had benched him in favor of Carson Wentz. It didn't have a bad game either, but maybe I should have just had Joe Burrow start, but that's not the point. Uh, and then we had uh, also Tyler Boyd, the wide receiver, threw a pass for 16 yards. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, who was on my DraftKings lineup, uh, 13 carries, 37 yards, but he did res- uh, catch five passes for 59 yards and a touchdown. And Joe Burrow also had six carries, 34 yards, and he touched down. Tyler Boyd, if you had him, I, I wasn't so high on him. I was wrong. I was wrong right there. So you can give me all the boos and everything if you'd like. 11 receptions, 101 yards, one touchdown. A.J. Green, a decent game. Seven receptions, 82 yards. T. Higgins, five receptions, 71 yards, and a touchdown. Already uh, talked about Gio- Giovanni Bernard. And then for the winners... Baker Mayfield, and we'll get to him more in depth in a second here, but 22 for 28, 297 yards, five touchdowns, one pick. You had Kareem Hunt, 18 carries, 76 yards. Rashard Higgins had six receptions and 110 yards. Harrison Bryant, who 
I don't know if anybody had him on his fantasy team, but if you did, you would snuck out like a bandit. Four receptions, 56 yards, two touchdowns. Donovan Peoples-Jones, three receptions, 56 yards, and a touchdown. And also Kareem Hunt had a receiving touchdown, and David Njoku had a receiving touchdown as well. But what is the... I'm sorry. I, I apologize for that. But what is the what 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 is the bigger point here? You know, what is the what are the takeaways? Well, number one, Baker Mayfield was put in a situation where you know the Cincinnati Bengals had a late lead and he had to leave one last drive in order for them to win the game, and he had done just that. That has been a particular top, uh, particular situation we've not, not seen Baker Mayfield in, and we had also been very critical of that. We have been critical of Baker Mayfield's uh, leadership, his performance, especially when we talk about those two bad losses to the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I we have been on them on that. However. To play devil's advocate, they were playing the Cincinnati Bengals. They had, they had no business making this game close, so I will I will concede that point. However, if I'm going to criticize Baker Mayfield, I do need to give him his praises as well. He had a fantastic game. I had put him on my bench, which now I feel really stupid for doing because you know five touchdowns is five touchdowns. That that, that is incredible. And the other part to the story is Odell Beckham Jr. Now you mentioned now you may have noticed that I have not mentioned his name at all. But that's because he didn't do anything because he is injured and also the injury has uh, been confirmed now to be a torn ACL and he is done for the year. I will repeat that. He is done for the year. So the bigger question is the Cleveland Browns are five and two. Baker Mayfield performed well. And again, this we all know what Odell Beckham Jr. could do, especially with this time with the New York Giants. I mean, this guy is electric. This guy is on fire. If uh, he was there along with Darius Slayton, I think the Giants would be a lot better than what their record shows. However, that's not important right now. We'll talk. We've already talked about the Giants and nauseum, and uh, we don't need to talk about them right now. But back to the Browns. Back to Baker Mayfield. Does he play better without Odell Beckham Jr.? That's an honest question to have because he this is his best game this year. There is no there is no denying that. And again, you could point out to the Bengals absolutely non-existent defense, which that is a fair point. However, is Baker Mayfield able to play very well without Odell Beckham Jr.? And that leads me to another question: What happens to Odell Beckham Jr. moving forward? And this isn't an easy conversation for me to say. I like Odell Beckham Jr. I think he's one of the game's top wide receivers, and I also hope that he gets back onto the field as quickly as soon as possible, very healthy, and fully recovered. I will. I definitely want to make, make sure I, I make that point clear. But I don't know if Odell Beckham Jr. 
And I have said this before. I don't, Odell Beckham Jr., I don't think belongs in this organization. I think he needs to go to a team that is going to appreciate him. And you're thinking to yourself, well, where is that team? And, you know, I, I'm don't, I, I would say I could point out a few teams that would need his services. Maybe a New Orleans Saints next year. Maybe a, and uh, <laughs> I, I know this is a, a pipe dream, but maybe the Denver Broncos, which we'll get into later. Maybe the Philadelphia Eagles, considering that they still have Carson Wentz there, but not any wide receiver death. At least I can't name a good wide receiver for you right now. You could look at the Chicago Bears. Uh, basically, a lot of teams would be clamoring for Odell Beckham Jr.'s services, but his services, I don't believe, are warranted in Cleveland anymore. And it's a harsh conversation to have, but that is true. And also, as a side note, this puts the Browns at 5-2 and two and definitely... definitely reinforces the fact that they are still in the thick of things. Not only... In the AFC North, but also in the playoff wildcard spot as well. Speaking of the AFC North, the division leader Pittsburgh Steelers did beat the Tennessee Titans 27-24. Ryan Tennell, uh, not the best game. 18 for 30, 220 yards, uh, two touchdowns, and a 69.5 QBR rating. Derrick Henry, 20 carries, 75 yards, and a touchdown. And uh, he didn't do anything necessarily receiving-wise, so we'll leave that alone. If you had A.J. Brown, if you had A.J. Brown, you were a happy man or gal. As A.J. Brown had six receptions, 153 yards, and a touchdown. Corey Davis also had a touchdown as well. The Pittsburgh Steelers go into the winners. Ben Roethlisberger, 32 for 49, 268 yards, two touchdowns, three picks. James Conner, 20 carries and 82 yards. If you had Juju Smith-Schuster, which, you know, not a lot of people are high on, but he did get nine receptions, 85 yards. Deontay Johnson had two touchdowns. Uh, Chase Claypool was an absolute disappointment, and uh, that's unfortunate. And so... I look at this particular game, right? And now the Pittsburgh Steelers go into Baltimore undefeated. That's going to be the next Sunday's game. Tennessee Titans, there, there's there's no need to hit the panic bell. There's no need to, if you're a Tennessee Titans fan, hang your head low. They played the Pittsburgh Steelers pretty well. It was a competitive game. And this was just a case of the Pittsburgh Steelers defense being really good. As I have, as I stated beforehand on my predictions, the Pittsburgh Steelers do have a good defense. And I did predict this was going to be a close and exciting game. Now, we didn't quite see that until later in the second half. But all in all, this was a very good game. And I expect both of these teams to be meeting each other again somewhere in the playoffs. I definitely am foreseeing that. Uh, for both of these teams. Next game we got is the Saints winning 27-24. to uh, For the losers, Teddy Bridgewater, 23 for 28, 254 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Curtis Samuel got you a rushing touchdown. DJ Moore had four receptions, 93 yards, and two touchdowns. 
For Robbie Anderson, he had six receptions and 74 yards. Uh, Mike Davis was a huge disappointment. Seven carries, 12 yards. That stunk because I had him on my DraftKings lineup thinking he would do something, and now I look like the fool. Yes, I do. So on the other end here, we got Drew Brees, 29 for 36, 287 yards, two touchdowns, and 91 QBR. I didn't. I told people that Drew Brees wasn't done. He's going to be very motivated to continue to get this team over the hump and get them over to the playoffs. Was Car- Now, listen, you could look at Carolina, right? But Carolina is not a bad team. They were 3-3 three and three when they started 0-2, so they were on a run. It's just that they happened to fall under a tough New Orleans team in, in New Orleans. And when I and when the New Orleans Saints ultimately go to Carolina to play their game, as you, sorry about that. <laughs> when uh, when you ex- when I see that this particular game goes into the next, uh, you know, their next rendition, which will be later this season when New Orleans go to Carolina, they will be able to. I think they'll have another close game. I really do. I think Carolina and New Orleans are comparative. I think Carolina, I like Teddy Bridgewater. I think he is on the rise. I think he's found a home in Carolina. It's just that he doesn't have a lot to work with right now. Uh, So anyway, other stats here. Alvin Kamara, 14 carries, 83 yards. Uh, Drew Brees also had a rushing touchdown, by the way. And for fantasy, Marquez Callaway got you eight receptions, 75 yards. Alvin Kamara got eight receptions, 65 yards. So he is on my money league. So he definitely provided me a uh, spark, and he has definitely made some very good contributions for me. And Deontay Harris had a receiving touchdown, and Jared Cook had a receiving touchdown as well. All in all, New Orleans goes to four and two, and they get themselves into the conversation again for the NFC South division. Next game that we have is the Bills and the Jets. And, you know, admittedly, I don't think people thought that the Jets were going to beat the Bills. And so the, the result, the outcome, is not surprising. What is surprising, what is surprising is the fact that this game was as close as it was. And so what happened? Well, Sam Darnold, 12 or 23, entered 20 yards, two interceptions, absolutely uh, stunk. 17.6 QBR, that's not going to get the job done. Uh, Frank Gore had about 60 yards rushing on 11 carries. Mikel Perrin had a rushing touchdown. Uh, I'm not even going to comment on the wide receivers because no one did anything of significant value. I mean, these are the Jets. You don't expect a whole lot of success from them, especially the way they've been playing. Josh Allen, though, 30 for 43, 307 yards, and a 65.7 QBR. He also had 61 rushing yards, actually led the team in rushing yards, and if you're Cole Beasley, if you had Cole Beasley on your team, 11 receptions, 112 yards, especially in PPR, you you did very well to get Cole Beasley on your team. But what's going on with the Buffalo Bills offense? I mean, you had Denver without Drew Locke, who with Brett Ripien, uh, ripped the Jets uh, a new one with 35 points. And that was his first start. When he figured out two days uh, beforehand that he was going to be the starter. So 
when you tell me that Josh Allen only put and and the Bills team put up 18 points in offense against this against this team, that is concerning to me. Now Buffalo did win this game, so I am going to leave them alone at least for the moment. But you cannot go to these other games that are coming up and expect to put 18 points and expect to win any games because you are not going to be playing the Jets every time. You are actually going to be playing some competent offenses. You are actually going to be playing some competent teams that know a thing or two about offense and defense. So I would be very, I wouldn't be worried. I would just be like, Bills, you got to step that up. You got to be better. <laughs> and let's go to this next game. Let's go to this next game. And, you know, I'm going to have some fun with my guy, uh, Ben Sertith from BS3 Radio. Definitely uh, check out his weekend wrap-up show that was today. Uh, and we're going to have some fun on Wednesday. Oh, I, dang it. I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. I'll leave that for later in the show, but <laughs> the Washington football team absolutely destroyed the Dallas Cowboys 25 to three. <laughs> This is just, this is perfect, by the way, because, you know, when, when I when I think about the Dallas Cowboys, yeah, they still have a chance to win this awful division, this atrocious, putrid, pathetic division, but Philadelphia is in the lead here at 2-4-1, <laughs> and Washington's in the lead 2-5, and, and Dallas Cowboys are in third place at 2-5 because they lost to Washington. Welcome to I turned to an attic, I brought me a paddock, I brought her a baby one Yeah, I brought me a Maybach, came with two doors, yeah, that's a Mercedes one I stay with the baddest, I'm counting cabbage while making my lady come I brought a G-Wagon, that shit was a brabbit, that's why I be racing Yeah, we brought the full door, had to get ready for war Yeah, we brought the full door, had to get ready for war Yeah, we brought the full door, had to get ready for war yeah, we so let's let's go ahead and talk about the uh, losers here because uh, that the <laughs> I don't know what you want me to say. Andy Dalton nine for nineteen seventy five yards in interception. Now let's not joke around with this guy, even though he had seven point five QBR. Let's not joke around with him because he actually is playing with a serious. Uh, he did lead the game with a serious injury, and I do hope everything is okay. But uh, not his best day. Really, not his best day. Even injuries aside, he had a terrible, terrible day at quarterback. Uh, and then Ben DiNucci steps in two for three with 39 yards. So we'll see what he does moving forward. Ezekiel Elliott, 12 carries and 45 yards. That is so pedestrian. So pedestrian. You got to figure what, what is going on with the play co- calling over in the Dallas Cowboys side of things. Now, if you had Amari Cooper, seven receptions, 80 yards, I I have him. So, yeah, at least he did something for your team. He did something for me, at least. Now, let's go into the winners, and then we'll touch up on this game. Kyle Allen, 15 for 25, 194 yards, two touchdowns, 66.6 QBR rating. Antonio Gibson, 20 carries, 128 yards, a touchdown. Great day from him. Actually, I was the guy that said to pick up with this guy. 
And I know I've been wrong in some other picks, but I do want to. Th- I do like to think that I was absolutely right with this guy. He had a solid game against this absolutely awful Dallas Cowboys defense. If you are playing the Dallas Cowboys, if you are a fantasy owner, to make sure that you start everybody who is playing the Dallas Cowboys because you are going to have a field day with this pathetic defense and with this pathetic team. Yes, I am being harsh, but that is because the Dallas Cowboy fan base, you know, except a few people, most of the Dallas Cowboys fan base is absolutely nauseating, saying that they're going to win the Super Bowl every year and not and living in La La Land. Now, I may be kind of the same mindset with my Denver Broncos, but at least, at least you know, I have a uh, a, a tipping point. Which uh, we'll get into later. We'll get into later. So the receivers, Terry McLaurin, seven receptions, 90 yards, and a touchdown. Logan Thomas, four receptions, 60 yards, and a touchdown as well. What's my takeaway? Well, Andy Dalton's not playing for the Dallas Cowboys uh, in the near future, at least. Not with that injury. So it's up to Ben DiNucci. And really, when you think of a uh, when you think of a guy that you know is. Yeah, actually, let's go ahead and take a look at Ben DiNucci. Who is he? So he was picked up in as a as a seventh as a seventh round draft pick, pick number two hundred thirty one, uh, in in the in this draft twenty twenty. So, and because he was now, listen, I'm not going to say he's not going to do anything. Because I would be very, that would be very disrespectful, and he has the potential to do at least something. But don't expect me to be like, oh, he's going to be the savior for the Dallas Cowboys because <laughs> I think it's over for this team. I really think it's over. You don't have any, you don't have a quarterback that's worth a dang, and because of that, you know, people are going to probably box in for Ezekiel Elliott. It is. It is time to throw this. Uh, it's time to throw the panic button if you're Dallas. I don't know what you're doing with Mike McCarthy. He he's probably fired after this season. Mike Nolan is because he's a terrible. And listen, I know who Mike Nolan is. He he was a defensive coordinator for the 49ers and the Denver Broncos at one point. But you cannot continue to be this pathetic on defense and expect to have a, the defensive coordinator job when it is all said and done. Now, to the next game, we've got the Packers beating the Houston Texans 35-20. to And in this particular game, you had a Deshaun Watson, 29 for 39, 390 yards, two touchdowns, and a 69.5 QBR rating. Not bad. You had a David Johnson, 14 carries, 42 yards, but and also Deshaun Watson at 38 rushing yards. You had Randall Cobb, 8 receptions, 95 yards. Brandon Cook, 7 receptions, 60 yards. So Randall Cobb, who is on my fantasy football team, did something for me, so I appreciate that. David Johnson had a receiving touchdown, and Will Fuller had a receiving touchdown as well. Aaron Rodgers, though, that's the bigger story, as and he is also on my fantasy football team as uh, my starting quarterback for one of my leagues. He went 23 for 34, 283 yards and four touchdowns. Jamal Williams, who I had stated to pick up and put on your team, 
77 uh, rushing yards and a touchdown, so he did not disappoint you. He also had four receptions, 37 yards as well. So total, he had a, a north 100 yards. Very good game from him. Devontae Adams. You had Devontae Adams on your team, who I think had probably the second best re- wide receiving game. We'll talk about the uh, the best wide receiver who came out in, I guess, fantasy points later on in the show. But Devontae Adams had 13 receptions, 196 yards, two touchdowns. Great game from him. And Malik Taylor and Jay Sternberger each had a receiving touchdown as well. Green Bay Packers absolutely are... At least the class in the NFC, in my opinion, they definitely took it to Houston. They were not going to have another bad game like they did Tampa Bay last week. So a very good performance by Aaron Rodgers, and they'll take that momentum moving forward when at, at their next opponent, which we will talk about on another show with a guest, and I will leave all that uh Excuse me, I will talk a little bit more about that later on to the show. In our next game, the Buccaneers absolutely destroyed the Raiders 45-20. to Absolutely annihilated the Raiders. I mean, it was so bad, it kind of gave me some flashbacks of... You remember that Super Bowl back in 2002 where the Tampa Bay Buccaneers absolutely destroyed the Raiders? It was kind of the same thing here. So, what happened? Uh, Derek Carr, 24 for 36, 284 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception... Uh, for rushing, uh, you, I, I, you, you could look at all the rushing and be like, well, there wasn't really any rushing, and that's true because no one was that relevant in the rushing game. You had about six different rushers, all producing a total of 76 yards. Absolutely awful on the rushing side of things. Now, for receiving... If you had Nelson Aguilar on your team, five receptions, 107 yards, and a touchdown, Darren Waller with a receiving touchdown and 50 yards receiving. Good games for both of them, and you'll be satisfied if they were on your fantasy team. Now to the winners. Tom Brady, 33 for 45, 369 yards, four touchdowns, and 88.1 QBR. An absolutely fantastic day for him, and it is only going to get better because of the fact that Antonio Brown is now coming to this team. So yeah, you, you, you talk about all the weapons they got, right? And well, actually, let's leave the discussion for just a little bit. Let's go into the other, uh, stand, uh, excuse me, other stats here. Leonard Fournette, 11 carries, 50 yards. You got Ronald Jones, the second, not the best game, 13 carries, 34 yards and a touchdown. And Tom Brady also had a receiving touchdown as well. So again, to point out, Tom Brady had four passing touchdowns and a receiving touchdown. And then for the receiving side of things for your wide receiver, Scotty Miller, whoo, look at this guy. Six receptions, 109 yards, and a touchdown. Chris Godwin, nine receptions, 88 yards, and a touchdown. Rob Bronkowski, who I wasn't really that high on, and, you know, he actually had a good game, so uh, I'll have to chalk this up as an L. Uh, Rob Gronkowski, five receptions, 62 yards, and a touchdown. Leonard Fournette also had six receptions and 47 yards. So, altogether, uh, Leonard Fournette with the 97 yards in total. Not a bad game from him. Uh, Mike Evans, two receptions, 37 yards. Uh, you know, here's the thing. I had stated beforehand that Mike Evans' value was going to go down because of the fact that they're adding in Antonio Brown, right? And when the more I look at it, I mean, that happens to be the case. I mean, he was only targeted twice. 
Now, again, it all depends on who gets open and whatnot, but if Mike Evans is playing the best uh, defensive corners and you're going to have not only this, but now you have to add in Antonio Brown in the mix eventually, I mean, whew. Uh, talk about an absolutely devastating offense. Tom Brady has all the weapons that he needs, and that is going to impact uh, players like Mike Evans, especially for fantasy. And then, you know, it's I, I did pick the Raiders to win this game, and, you know, while I'm happy with the result, I guess, if you want to be completely honest, because I am a Denver Broncos fan first and foremost, I, the, uh, it looks like, you know, more separation for these Kansas City Chiefs for the AFC West division. And I guess that's where we need to go to, right? That's kind of our elephant in the room. And by the way, Tampa Bay is now 5 and 2 and so they will they do have still have control of first place in the division with the New Orleans Saints down half a game. But as I said, the Chiefs, we are going to talk about them because they played my Denver Broncos and I didn't have, I had a bad time. I had a terrible time. I had probably one of the worst times ever as a Broncos fan. And that's saying a whole lot because I've seen the Raiders blow out this, blow out my Broncos too, but it was bad. It was really bad. Uh, let's, let's, let's not even sugarcoat this. Was, this was an awful game. This is an awful game to watch. Uh, Drew Lock, 24 40, 254 yards, two interceptions, 19.7 QBR rating. Uh, Philip Lindsay, 79 rushing yards, at the, and he left early with uh, injuries. So that is always great news if you're a Broncos fan. Melvin Gordon, 68 rushing yards and a touchdown. Drew Lock had a rushing touchdown. And when you look at the wide receivers, the best one was probably Albert. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce his last name, so I apologize. Wig Bunham, uh, seven receptions, 60 yards. Uh, Tim Pat, eh, actually, no, I can't really talk about anybody else on this team. Uh, what's what? What was the bigger story here? Was it the fumbles that we had? Was it the turnovers that we had, which was four? Was it the fact that, you know, our Drew Lock didn't have his best game? Now, also, Actually, let's go ahead and talk about the winners first before we continue. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, again, who I've said time and time again, is the best quarterback, best goddamn quarterback on the planet. 15 for 23, 200 yards, and a touchdown. Chad Henney, 2 for 2 for 13 yards. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had a receiving touchdown, eight uh, car- I'm sorry, rushing touchdown, 8 carries, 46 yards. And we had uh, Le'Veon Bell, who is a back from the dead after being left for dead when he was playing for the New York Jets. Six carries and 39 yards. We had a Tyreek Hill with a receiving touchdown with 55 yards receiving. And uh, what the bigger story is is the fact that we had all these turnovers. Now, we have to look at a few things. Melvin Gordon just got back from strep throat. So with the two fumbles, uh, it would not, not, I don't have a lot of uh, positive things to say about uh, Melvin Gordon. I don't. And uh, well, when you look at Drew Locke, I mean, this is only his eighth game starting, by the way. He's he's only had half a year under his belt. So I would like to hold all criticism for Drew Locke until we actually get a full season out of him. And also considering the fact that uh, he had missed a couple of weeks with a shoulder injury. Now, if you're a Broncos fan, you are absolutely, absolutely horrified when you saw Drew Locke for that instance. You remember that run where he had kind of slid down and his brace got 
caught in the grass. It was like, you know, he he had a uh, moment in time where he was down there and the trainers were looking at him and you're like, oh no, is Drew Locke injured again? And, you know, Brett Ripien was coming back in there. It's like, uh, it's it, it was horrible. But at the end of the day, they got back, he got back into the game and, you know, the game continued from there. But what were the point? This was a bad loss. I'm not going to sugarcoat that. You know, Denver is two and four. And so if I'm going to be completely honest, and I understand also that this is has a degree of difficulty that is close to impossible, near to impossible. But Denver, if they are to go 12 and four, have to win 10 straight games, including a win in Arrowhead. Is it possible? Yes, but it's very difficult for me to say that they could do it. Definitely. And as for the Kansas City Chiefs, who are 6-1, and one, they are definitely make, making their way into conversations for getting back into the playoffs and definitely also looking at back-to-back Super Bowls. And I know that my guy Al High, who I was, uh, who I very appreciative of the opportunity to be uh, on his show, the Casual Highlight. I would definitely check out not only my appearance but also his other episodes as well, as he does a fantastic show. But I'm sure he was chuckling at me saying, <laughs> "24 to 17, Jordan. Well, you Denver didn't even get didn't even get to 17, huh?" And uh, all I can say is, uh, you know, I I don't have much to say about the Broncos uh, anymore. At this particular juncture, we'll, uh, we'll we'll talk about you know what their next game looks like and all of that, but uh, it, it's yeah, I, I I have to, uh, my I am speechless. I am I very much am speechless. Let all the real ones in and close the heaven gate. Tomorrow never comes, so love me yesterday. When you swear love, you're always lowercase. Me leaving and they changes to race gates. I blow out all the fire like it's my birthday. Like they cheated everything so, I did was unsafe. Next game that we got is the 49ers, who absolutely demolished the Patriots 33 to 6. Uh, when we look at this game, it was just ugly all around for quarterbacks. Uh, Cam Newton, nine for 15 for three interceptions, a 3.5 QBR. So they tried to put in Jared Stidham and he was six for 10, 64 yards and an interception for, uh, rushing. You had Camian Harris with about 58 yards rushing for the receiving end of things. You had, uh, Jacoby Myers, four receptions, 60 yards. That's the, Bright spot for the New England Patriots team is that receiver right there. But other than that, just not a whole lot of anything to uh, hang your hat on proudly. Then for the San Francisco side of things, we had Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G, 20 for 25, 277 yards, two interceptions, a 79.6 QBR. By the way, coming back to New England, Coming back to see his old coach after he was traded to the 49ers because while Tom Brady was there, by the way, remember that is still a storyline too. And uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., 17 carries, 112 yards, three touchdowns. This kid comes out of nowhere and absolutely lights up the fantasy scoreboard. I don't think anybody 
thought he was going to do anything like that. And so he was probably either a bench player or he was probably sitting out there in the waiver wire just collecting all those fantasy points. And Kyle Juzic also had a rushing touchdown as well. Uh, Brandon Ayuk had six receptions and 115 yards. Good game from him. So my takeaway is New England. uh, They are looking at potentially benching Cam Newton. He might be in trouble as a starter, especially with another uh, terrible performance. I I thought this was because, hey, this was, you know, they were playing Denver, who I thought had a great defense. But then, you know, I kind of saw that result uh, and how that defense turned out uh, in Kansas City. And New England's offense just isn't, just is not clicking right now. And you could also consider the fact that the offensive line is very patchwork at this point. You can look at the fact that Cam Newton might still be going under COVID symptoms, but Patriots are in trouble. Patriots are in trouble of not making these playoffs, in danger of missing the division outright. And I mean, uh, I didn't predict that. I thought they were going to win this division, but that. That prediction is definitely in jeopardy here. And as for the 49ers, they're getting themselves back into the NFC West side of things, and they are definitely going to look to uh, turn the corner as the uh, latter part of the season is coming up. And then the, the Jaguars and Chargers. Justin Herbert picks up his first win, so congratulations to him and hope many more to come as a, uh, a promising young quarterback that I'm looking at. Let's talk about the Jaguars first. Gardner Minshew, uh, 14 for 2773 yards, two touchdowns, a 27.6 QBR rating. Not good at all. James Robinson did have 22 carries, 119 yards, and a rushing touchdown. And then I am looking at the wide receiver side of things. Chris Conley had a receiving touchdown. James Robinson also had a receiving touchdown as well. So if you are James Robinson, again, 22 carries, 119 yards, a rushing touchdown and also a receiving touchdown now when i did the fantasy football show on speakeasy sports on saturday i i uh said on there that he was definitely a guy to look at and he did not disappoint if you had him on your team but uh, that's about the uh, bright spot as uh the jacksonville jaguars offense was uh was a dud they uh you know, are one and six. They are who we thought they were, which is a pathetic team that I had them going last in this division. With the Los Angeles Chargers, uh, Justin Herbert, 27 for 43, three touchdowns. Uh, he also has a rushing touchdown to go along with Joe Reed, who had a rushing touchdown. And for Keenan Allen, 10 receptions, 125 yards. Jalen Guyton had a, re- a receiving touchdown. Virgil Green had a receiving touchdown. And Dal Parham Jr. had a receiving touchdown as well. I look at this game. I look specifically at Justin Herbert and I say a fantastic game from him. He has definitely made his name known. And he is going to be good for years to come. Now, I get it. This is a Jacksonville Jaguars defense he was playing, but he has been very close in these other games that he's been a part of. He was close in Tampa Bay, who again is 5-2, and two, close with New Orleans, who are 4-2. and two. Now, not necessarily the greatest game with Carolina. I'll, I'll give you that. But he has always played very close to the tee, even, even very close against the 6-1 Kansas City Chiefs. So this is a kid that I am definitely having my eyes on, and I can't wait to see where he goes as 
the Chargers move down the line in this season. And then our last game that we are going to talk about, the uh, highlight, if you will, is the Sunday night football game. A fantastic thriller, which Arizona beat Seattle 34, I'm sorry, 37 to 34 in overtime. Now let's talk about the loser first. The Seattle Seahawks, who are 5-1, so they're they're going to be okay. Russell Wilson, 33 for 50, 388 yards, three touchdowns, three picks. Russell Wilson also had 84 rushing yards. Carlos Hyde had a rushing touchdown. If you had Tyler Lockett, I had said before that Devontae Adams had the second best wide receiver fantasy football stats. But if you had Tyler Lockett, oh my God, 15 receptions, 200 yards, three touchdowns. I don't know how much that breaks into fantasy points, but it is a lot. Trust me. Trust me. And then you had a Kyler Murray on the other end who went 34 for 48, three touchdowns and a pick. You had a Kyler Murray also going for a rushing touchdown. You also had DeAndre Hopkins, 10 receptions, 103 yards and a touchdown. And you had Christian Kirk who had two receiving touchdowns for you. Chase Edmonds also had seven receptions and 87 yards to go along with 58 rushing yards. So a very, very good game from, uh, from Chase Edmonds and yeah, and Larry Fitzgerald, by the way, eight receptions, 62 yards, also is, the, in history, is the, uh, when they, I think that when they put it, like, has the most receptions in his own home ballpark, uh, passing Jerry Rice, so a very much an impressive accomplishment, uh, impressive accomplishment from a 17-year legend, Hall of Fame, first ballot wide receiver in Larry Fitzgerald. Congratulations to him. And again, you're getting the golden jacket as soon as you retire when you're available to do so. But the bigger story here, and I do want to read a quote from uh, Kyler Murray. Wanting to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And that's just the nature of the game. In any sport, you've got to beat the best. So I think it was a big Big step for us. And you know what? It was. The Arizona Cardinals, who I did not have as high in my division standings, they pulled off a fan, a big win. You know, they are really legitimizing themselves as contenders in the NFC. I was very high on Kyler Murray, but I did not think he was going to be as good as he was in this game, considering this is his second year starting. I don't even think he has had a full year yet, but I could be wrong on that. Okay, let me see here. Let me see. I'm just trying to get uh, just trying to get his starts here. So let's go career wise. Excuse me. Let's go career wise. And uh, okay, so he's had a 23 games played. So okay, so yeah, you see, he has had a full season, but I don't think anyone has expected him to be at the top of the. To be at the top of this of his game as he is doing right now. So very, very, very big win for this guy. And I'm going to be really looking at how the Arizona Cardinals move forward. Especially after a huge win like that. Now, we are going to go ahead and talk about the Bears and Rams. And I'll give you a, pr- a quick preview on that. Before we do that, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. I've been scarred by your love, left my heart bleeding. My soul posted in the shadows with some dark demons. I'm on the E-way in a fast foreign car speeding. Two, two, three, spit out quick when that chopper ringing. We ain't never ducking beef, bitch, we not vegan. 
All right, so let's go ahead and talk about the Chicago Bears, Los Angeles Rams. That game is going to be going on at about uh, 6.15 my time, 8.15 for all the East Coasters out there. This particular game, I expect the Bears to win because I've said before that the Rams are a fraudulent team. When you look at this team, who have they played? Just name me one team that they have actually won that we are supposed to take seriously because I'm not taking the Cowboys seriously. I'm not taking the Eagles seriously. Who I have, by the way, uh, placed Deshaun Jackson and Hassan Ridgeway on injured reserve. So, you know, great stuff there. I'm not taking the Giants seriously. And I'm definitely not taking the Washington football team any seriously, especially when you don't even have a name. But uh, more to the point, the Rams haven't played anyone in terms of decent. I mean, they played the 49ers and the Bills, but those are our two losses in who I consider actually real serious contenders in the playoffs. Now, as for the Bears... They have one of the best top defenses in the league so far. And remember when we were talking about Tampa Bay, who had absolutely destroyed the Oakland Raiders? Well, they actually beat them 20-19. They have actually beaten, you know, the Panthers. I don't take seriously the... Now, they have lost to the Colts, and so that is the only blemish on their record. But, you know, again, Falcons, Giants, Lions, uh, at least the Lions have an even record, I should say. But, you know, they have a major win with the Buccaneers, and so I do look at this team a bit more seriously than the Rams. And the thing is, he, the Bears are going to want to fight for that top NFC North spot alongside the Green Bay Packers that got their win against the Houston, the Houston Texans. And so the Bears, knowing all of that, and also knowing that the fact that I don't trust the Rams, that's why I predict the Bears to win the game because they have a lot more at stake. They have the ability to really control the the defense. Now, in terms of offense, that's still pretty questionable. I think Nick Foles is doing an okay job, but he definitely needs to step it up. Can they do it against the Rams? Uh, the Rams don't have the best defense in the world. You saw that when they played the Bills. You saw that when they played the uh, 49ers. They can give up points. And so if you're Nick Foles, all you need to do, don't mess the game up. You don't have to be the Nick Foles that you were in the Super Bowl when you beat the New England Patriots there. All you need to do is just make sure you don't screw this up. Don't make any mistakes. And the Bears should get a easy victory, in my opinion. Very easy victory. So we are going to go ahead and jump ships here and talk about the World Series that is coming up. So Game 6 is tomorrow. Uh, The Dodgers have a 3-2 series lead. And, you know, Clayton Kershaw actually made a uh, particular comment as uh, he's feeling good that the uh, Dodgers are are winning are uh, one win away from the uh, title. And I'll give you the full quote here. It feels pretty good. Anytime you can have success in the postseason, it just means so much. This is what you work for. This is what you play for this month. I know what the other end of that feels like too. I will definitely take it when I can get it. And listen, he's right when you look at, at when you look at things. In 2017, the Dodgers 
were cheated out of the World Series by the Houston cheating Astros. Everybody in the MLB knows it. Even the Houston Astros fans know that they cheated in that World Series. And we look at uh, the Red Sox in 2018. Yes, they didn't cheat in the World Series technically, and that was more so the Dodgers uh, choke, I guess, choking again, if you want to consider it. But when you look at the Red Sox, they cheated too in the regular season. So I also am, you know, putting a little asterisk on that 2018 World Series. But when you look at all the other years besides this one, the Dodgers have not done, have, have fallen short of expectations. And, and clearly, most of that weight is on Kershaw's shoulders, and even he will admit that. He has not had the best postseason games. Now, while I have predicted that the Tampa Bay Rays will win this World Series in seven games, and I definitely am still on that prediction, if the Dodgers do win this game, I will say this. It will be feel very good for a lot of those players, particularly Clayton Kershaw, who has been so close but so far. So if the, if anything, Game 6 is going to be the best chance that the Los Angeles Dodgers have of closing this out, especially when you're hearing reports that there is going to be a lot of Dodgers fans in this neutral field, by the way. So, again, this is the best chance for the Dodgers to close things out and really do as they say they will, which is to get into the World Series uh, championship, or at least clinch that World Series, I should say. So we're going to go ahead and talk now, now that we're done with sports here, we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about my favorite show, Black Clover. But before we do all of that, let's go ahead and take a quick break. Wow! What? Bobby! George! Vaughn! Heavy on it! What? Vaughn! Squad. I am what I am. What I'm not, see, I never beat. Niggas whooping up until we meet. Boom. Catch him like it, put him on TV. In the bus, it die. Hey. I'm boosting the murder rate. Oh, yeah. My niggas go slide every day. He's been talking yeah. that shit, I can't wait. So it's all right, everybody. So let's go ahead and talk about uh, Black Clover. Let's go ahead and go, get into a little spoiler discussion with uh, episode 17 through 20. Now, because we are doing that, again, I am going to tell you to pause. And that is for, uh, just as a reminder, since I haven't done a Black Clover series in a while, that pause button is for, if you have not watched this series at all, I would definitely recommend you watch it first before you continue on to this uh, review, this episode with me. So, what is what happened in episode 17 is you've got uh, Lotus, who got beaten by the teamwork of... Asta, Noel, and Luck. Remember, they made that huge, that particular plan where Luck was going to distract Lotus while Noel used her water blasting power to to blast Asta out in his perceived or predicted direction, and then Asta came in for that finishing kill. Well, it uh, it, it leads off from there, and during this time, or I should say, after he's defeated, you know, Lotus decides that uh, he's not going to fall prisoner. And he pick, and what happens is he uses a magic spell to make like a uh, escape carriage, if you will, and takes all of the uh, mages from before that were beaten by luck uh, when the fight started. I want to say back on episode fifteen, 
And he takes all of them and they retreat. And they're not able to catch up to him because they disappear in a cloud of smoke. So that that is now put to the wayside. So the next thing that they end up doing is Luck is sensing another magic power. You know, he's very what, – what you start to notice is that Luck is very keen on picking up these magic senses. So he notices another magic source, which turns out to be Mars, the uh, diamond – Mage that was attacking the Golden Dawn, that was attacking Yuno, Klaus, and Mimosa, and because they can, he could sense that the the gang, the Black Bulls gang, heads over in that direction. Now, they now you you cut to the fight, you cut to the fight that's going on between the Golden Dawn, between Yuno and Mars specifically, and Klaus notices the embedded gemstones in Mars's head. And he, what hap, what you kind of see is, you know, that they, they it leads to exposition that, you know, their his stones, his gemstones, were a part of an experiment from the Diamond Kingdom that uh, they were used to enhance. They could be used to enhance one particular person's ability. And again, when you look at Mars specifically. And actually, we'll we'll see that for when we get into the flashback back stuff with Mars. But uh, during that time, you know, you know, Mars kind of duke it out, and you know, as you know, is about to reach his limit because he's obviously very tired because he's expended a lot of magic energy. I mean, an absolute a lot. But you know, he. But here's the thing, and this is what I like about Asta so much is his spirit of. Never giving up. His spirit of, you know, I don't care how tough it is. I don't care, you know, that you have all this magic ability. You may have the advantage, if you will, but I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep going, and I'm going to, you know, do what it takes to win, even if that means risking my own life. And with Yuno remembering that determination, he himself, you know, raises his determination up to another level doesn't give up and tries his best to fight off mars but in the end is not enough because mars ultimately sends one of his crystal-like blades at you know he tries to you know dispel it but is not able to and all of a sudden asta comes in now now i i get it some people are going to say that's dust ex machina that is way too perfect timing but you know what I don't, I don't care. I really like this scene because you know it, it, it kind of cut ties back into the part where Asta and Noel were trapped by that plant creature that you know saved Asta and Noel from, and so Asta essentially returns the favor and def, you know using his anti magic sword demolishes that particular blade and is gone. And so now, the and also while you're looking into this, you you see Klaus, who notices that Asta just saved you know, and essentially is now here to rescue the Golden Dawn, and you still get that kind of prejudice from beforehand that we had talked about, you know, the whole oh the Golden Dawn, or, you know, the highest and mightiest, you know, powerful magic knights in the land, and the Black Bulls are just you know trash squabble. 
again, that theme of prejudice, that theme of, you know, I'm better than, I'm better than you type of mentality that definitely shows here a little bit as well. And while he is looking into all this and being incredibly astonished, you know, you got Noel protecting Mimosa with the Sea Dragon's Lair spell. And, you know, Mimosa and Noel shall share a very tender moment. For them, it's kind of the way that, uh, you know, it it kind of connects to the fact that even, you know, during their childhood memories that, you know, Noel would be there for Mimosa and then, you know, kind of the same thing. So they share that uh, that cousinly bond that, uh, you know, family is family, which, again, ties into the whole, you know, Asta and Yuno kind of saying, you know, we need with our friends, we should treat them like family. And it really brings together in this particular scene where you see Asta defending, you know, where you see Noel protecting Momosa, that theme of family coming into play. And there's a quote that I want to see specifically from Mars when he finds out about Asta, when he knows that he doesn't have any magic power. There is no room for the weak. And you could look at this, you know, initially as, well, Mars is just saying that because he's a bad guy. Mars is saying that because, you know, he has uh, no heart or whatever. But as Asta and Mars fight, you know, you kind of get a flashback from Mars that... uh, Actually, wait, 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 wait. Am I going too? Am I going too fast? Maybe I am. Okay, we'll save that bit for, for. We'll save that particular bit in just a second. So let's go back to the fight. So Klaus, who is still astonished in the fact that you know Asta is actually holding his own against Mars, it is uh, then you know then broken out of his spell, if you will, his astonishment spell, if you will, by Noel that's saying, you know, even though Asta isn't, you know, the best uh, magic user or really any magic user, he is special in his own right. Now, this goes into the whole fact that, again, Noel initially calls him an insect. Noel initially kind of downplays Asta, kind of is dismissive of him. But, you know, she's coming into her kind of her own of, you know, actually recognizing that Asta is very important. And, you know, she also has a crush on him. So we got to got to also take that into consideration. But it is a very nice kind of touching moment that, you know, Noel, you know, kind of puts Klaus in in his place, technically. And uh, as all that is happening... Mars uses one of his best special abilities and absolutely crushes Asta with uh, a massive spell. And you think, okay, that's done. But Asta gets back up. And, and Klaus is like, you know, how how is he able to do this? And, you know, Mars, who is wanting to just, you know... The, the guy that's like, I'm going to crush everybody in my path. And you're nothing but... And he tells Asta specifically, he's nothing but a pebble. But I, but I like this line from Asta. He says, I'm going to be the pebble that shatters the diamond and absolutely destroys him. You see that he kind of absolutely takes him out. Uh, he takes him out of his big armor spell with just one swing of his blade. And he gets destroyed. He gets knocked. Now... We need to go back to, and now this cuts into episode 18, so we need to go back to where I said, you know, let's hold off on 
on Mars, you know, again, with that quote, there is no room for the weak. Now, why is this important? Why am I bringing this up? It's because Mars has flashbacks to when uh, he was a kid. And, you know, they are they are in a situation where, or I should say, Mars and this childhood friend of his are in a battle where essentially you cannot you cannot uh leave until you are the last person standing and thus everyone has to go and so throughout this battle throughout this particular flashback battle mars crushes every well i wouldn't say mars crushes everybody but he is the last man standing as he ultimately had to kill his childhood friend Obviously, that's a traumatic effect on anybody. If you lose a childhood friend and also have to be the particular person that ends up being the cause of it, it is absolute. It's absolutely heartbreaking, and you definitely see that, you know, after the battle. And what you also see in in that particular hap- circumstance is the grimoires. Now the grimoires, you'll, you'll notice that uh, Mars's grimoire was a very much a patchwork of. It was actually kind of stitched together, but what you see in this flashback is that this childhood friend of his had his, her particular grimoire and his particular grimoire were. It was like there were two different parts before they combined into a whole, and you know having. That again, traumatic experience. When you go and when we go back to the quote, there is no room for the weak, you can kind of understand and sympathize with Mars and why he would feel that way. Because again, of his past experiences, because of the fact that he wasn't able to fully properly have a, a childhood. And instead was only bred for war, was only bred to kill, was only bred to beat those who were weaker than him because he had to have that survivor mentality. Now, on the other side of things, you know, Asta says the Wizard King lives to protect his people. Again, this goes back into, you know, he is going to be there to the very end for everybody that he comes into contact with and he will – he treats everybody that he that he knows like family, and so after so after this battle where Asta beats up Mars, you know uh, Klaus captures him, binds him, all that, and uh, you know they eventually get to the treasure hall, and while they're exploring the treasure hall and going through all the different secrets that they find, Mars comes back, and they notice that again this is all comes back to the experimentation. All comes back to the fact that, you know, his childhood friend that you saw in the flashback was able to do the flame recovery magic. You know, he he gets the he gets to be able to do the flame recovery magic, gets himself all back up, healed and all that, and kind of knows what Asta's weakness is. That all he could do is use that blade and not necessarily much of anything else. So he goes after Asta first, ultimately beats him, with, and f- makes him sends him flying into another room. And while all that is, uh, while all that is happening, 
you know, then Bars goes after Noel and Mimosa. And they both get, at least Noel specifically, gets knocked back and gets injured. And Mimosa goes right after Noel. Again, remembering what they were like as childhood friends. And, you know, she really, really, you know, had she really emphasizes Noel's determination to, because with, with that whole noble mentality, we'll start, we'll start off there first, but that whole noble mentality, it was essentially, oh, we're nobles. We don't have to work hard. We should be able to have perfect control, perfect magic abilities and whatnot. But Mimosa understands that Noelle didn't have that experience, that she still is going through her control issues, that she's still trying to work to be the best magic knight that she could be. And, you know, she repeats the motto, hard work is for the weak and powerless, not royalty. But she outright, you know, dismisses that line and says, hey, I really admire you, Noelle, for trying to work hard. I admire you for trying to be your best self, even if you're not able to be your best self at this particular moment. And she admires that. And while all that is going on, Mars tries to go tries to go after Mimosa and Noel, but Asta comes back with a new sword, a uh, new power, if you will, which is pretty awesome, and ends up uh, fighting Mars again. Now, as he's fighting him, he understands that that flame recovery magic, he is not going to get anywhere with this anti-magic sword. And so here's a really cool thing that happens. So first... Noelle has a touching moment with Asta saying, you know, he is the first commoner that she has accepted into her life. And she also uses her magic power, her water magic, and has it transferred into Asta's sword that he had picked up when he was flung back into the other treasure room. And so with that ability, that allows him to do a water magic attack and essentially takes Mars's flame magic away essentially outright cancels it and he is he is uh, at at the moment defeated now when that happens asta gets a piece of the armor embedded into him and he is down for the count The good thing about being counted out and left for dead, they never see you coming. Regardless of what you're going through, young brother, remember, bad days always a promise that better days is around the corner. Now cut to episode 19, and everyone sees that, uh, that Asta is down, and... With Mars then coming back up after seeing that Asta goes down, he then goes for the final kill between uh, Mimosa, who at that point is done healing Noel and goes after to try and heal Asta. But Yuno, Yuno instead is able to, and it's and again you can think of this as Dusex Machina, but he is finally able to meet his wind spirit that is in his grimoire. Now this wind spirit, uh, you know, you see time kind of paused in the dungeon room, and she she comes out. She you know they both recognize each. They both uh, I would say meet for the first time, 
And you start to see, you know, no this wind spirit's power by going to the the blade that uh, Mars is summoning to uh, attack both Mimosa and Asta, who is down at at, at the time. They she this wind spirit destroys the sword and then sends Mars flying back and ultimately knocking him out and. She goes back into the grimoire, and now Yuno kind of understands that he has a new power that he has to control now. That he has this new power that he is able to now explore, which will help him in terms of powering himself up. Because at the end of the day, this goes back into, well, if Asta can get something cool, Yuno needs to get something as cool as well. Again, to reinforce the fact that they are rivals and they're both going after the same thing, which is to ultimately become the Wizard King. And so after all that, the dungeon starts collapsing. You know, it's it's about to uh, it's about to uh, kind of collapse within itself. And when everyone is getting making their escape, Asta is the only one. Asta is the only one that says, "I want to help save Mars," because you know no one should be left to die. Everyone thinks he's crazy and insane. But again, it's it goes back to Asta's. Pure heart in the sense that he wants to rescue everybody, even if you are an enemy, which I think is really cool and also goes into the whole diplomatic way that Asta sees the world, which you you notice that in some episodes beforehand, you know, becomes an important part of Asta's character. So they all – so – after all that, you know, they aren't able to rescue Mars in time because the dungeon essentially falls under Mars when we all think he's dead at that point. But uh, but in the end, the group composing of Asta, Noel, Luck, Klaus, Mimosa, and Yuno escape in time. They get out of the dungeon. Asta's alive. However, on the other side of things, Lotus, who had escaped before – after his battle with Asta, Noel, and Luck, ultimately is able to save Mars, and they retreat back to the Diamond Kingdom. To, and knowing how some of these anime series goes, you'll—it's pro- probably safe to say that Mars will be back at some particular juncture. And at the end of it, so Asta is alive; he is getting healed and all that. But what's really then kind of the the best part of that episode is Klaus goes up to Yudo and Asta and essentially says he's sorry and that he accepts them. And this is a transition to remember he was all he always had looked down upon Yuno for being a commoner, always looked down the black bulls for being, you know, the worst magic knights, especially Asta because he's a commoner with no magic. He finally turns a new leaf and starts to accept him. And I think that's the a great way to end that episode. So episode 20 comes around, you know, Asta's recovered from the from the dungeon, you know, Noel's checking up on him as uh Vanessa points out. So again, the whole, you know, I'm worried about you Asta, I have a crush on you, but I won't say it out loud kind of thing. <laughs> so that happens. Yami comes in, Asta wants him Yami wants Asta to go to the Royal Knight headquarters and give an update on what happened in the dungeon. And at that, and Noel accompanies him, so they run into more kind of like awkward. You know, Noel's in has a crush on Asta, but is not willing to admit it. And so, 
with all what so they ultimately get up to the golden dawn knights klaus uh mimosa you know and they all have their their separate moments you know particularly noel and mimosa and why is this so important well mimosa ran away from asta earlier in the scene because now she has a crush in asta so noel knowing she has a crush in asta not willing to admit it is obviously very i guess uh i, I wouldn't say scared but there's now you're, you're you're going to i in this particular case notice a love rivalry between mimosa and noel it, you clearly see that even though they're not willing to admit it uh, both Mosa and Noel are not willing to admit they both like the same guy, but you'll notice that they will indeed have a rivalry at some point. So that will be something that will be looked into as as we talk more about the uh, the series moving forward. And throughout all that, through all that uh, love triangle complexity, they ultimately meet the Wizard King, and the Wizard King ultimately tells. Asa, you know that it is merit is what you do, not necessarily the way that you connect with people, but but the results that will get you to you know getting that place of the Wizard King. And again, that that is the whole kind of them going realizing that they are going to have to stack up the merit. They are going to have to compete with each other time and time and time again in order to figure out who ultimately is going to become the Wizard King. And so while all that is happening, they end up going to a nice promotion ceremony where you see some of the more some more characters, some of the more knights that uh, will come into play later get into get their ranks, their promotion ranks and you know the Wizard King, while he's giving the promotions away, you know, introducing all all the uh, knights that you see, what I like about Julius, who is the Wizard King, what I like about him is not only does he praise them, but he also gives them a way to improve. Whether or not you're going to see that in the series is one thing entirely, but the fact that he's able to say, you do great, but here's one thing that you can work on. It's the be- it's the best way that you could be a leader is, you know, you tell somebody, hey, you're doing a great job in this area, but also you can work in this particular area too. So he's very he's a very balanced leader and which is why he makes at least a perfect role for this rendition of the Wizard King. And so they cut to now a, a banquet where everyone is present, including Mimosa, Noel, Asta, Yuno, and Klaus, and Throughout this time, you'll notice that all the high-ranking officials are looking down on this particular group. And again, this goes back to the earlier themes like we were noticing in the Dungeon of Prejudice. So now you've got these higher-ranking nobles looking down on this particular party and saying, well, what are they doing here? They don't, what, what, what makes them so special? So again, you'll you'll this particular sense of prejudice, this particular sense of you know entitlement. I have a feeling is going to come up more and more and more as these episodes roll out in the series. And so you'll real now you really all at the same token you also get to really see you know 
Noel and Asta's relationship grow a little bit. As Noel is insulted by her siblings for, and more specifically for, I mean, you kind of saw that when they were at the uh, Knight's entrance exam, kind of Noel wanting to participate, but the uh, Nozelle saying, no, you don't have to, your squad has been chosen, you'd be a failure anyway. So that culminates now into not only Nozelle, but you also got Noel's other siblings insulting her as well. And Asta, who was getting insulted by everybody, but does he was like, I don't give a, I don't give a, you know what, uh, you can insult me at whatever you want. I'm still going to be me. But when Noel gets insulted, and again, this goes back to Asta wanting to protect his friends. He's like. She's he he sees Noel running away, you know, crying because of the fact that he's being she's being treated very she's being disrespectfully treated, and he's like, no, stay here, and makes a bit. I wouldn't want to say a big scene, but makes a scene. Goes after the nobles who essentially are looking down at them and saying, you know what? What makes you so special? I am going to become the Wizard King, and I am ultimately going to prove to you that I don't need your approval and don't and i don't and uh you don't need to be giving me this particular attitude and so that ends episode 20 now let me tell you a little bit of what's going to happen on through episodes 21 through 24 so what you're going to first find is there's going to be an there's a attack while this banquet is going on i won't say by who or what's the perp or the uh, motives behind the attack but there's going to be an attack Everyone is going to band together, and you're going to see the different uh, styles in which everybody fights, and you're also going to see how how everybody works in their magic and kind of their teams and uh, how their teamwork big, puts a big uh, part into it. You'll uh, also see Asta, you know, you'll again, now it's his turn to be not only protecting his friends, but now he gets to have the ability to protect a town, a capital, if you will. So you'll get to see some of his more, you'll get to see how he'll, he'll react in that situation, which will be, which is really cool. And again, a more, he, he'll be able to develop more. And then you'll also see, uh, some, some of the people that actually take notice of Asta and actually respect him as well and how they're going to be able to uh, influence Asta moving forward. And we'll talk about more of that into detail as I touch upon this series in my next uh, solo episode. So that was Black Clover. Now our next top, now to end the show, I'm going to tell you a little bit about uh, what I am going to be doing for this week. And uh, let's just say I've got I've got a lot of my play, a lot of exciting stuff coming up this week that, you know, it not not necessarily will be for the podcast, keeping it 100, but just uh, doing more so a, a, a tour, if you will, of some great, fantastic shows I'll be a part of. So for tonight, for today, I should say. I will be a part of the social. I will be a part of the podcast ghosted with a good friend of mine, uh, Abby Rosenblum, uh, the founder of the social Modern Matchmaking. And I have known this particular. I have talked about her before, but I've known this particular individual for uh, two years of my life. Uh, actually, was the prominent influence, and it's crazy in a way, and how that all 
connects together. But she's a prominent influence on how my fantastic co-host Leo and Desmond got together. So I'm excited and I'm honored to be a part of her podcast. It's a more recent podcast, one of our newer, one of the newer podcasts out there. So I'll definitely be telling some amazing stories on her show. And then on Tuesday, I will be a part of the NR Hour podcast show, which uh, there's going to be a an Amer- a basketball player by the name of C.J. Watson had played for the NBA and is now in the uh, Turkish Basketball League. So it's going to be a very fun opportunity to me, and it will be really exciting to actually get to be able to you know interview a former NBA player. So uh, there's it's going to be a lot of fun on that show. Then I'm going on Wednesday, I will be going on my uh, ex-squad affiliate Chica Simone's Let's Get It All Out show with uh, Dan Didier, and it'll be a really fun time. Again, that will be on Wednesday morning, where we'll be talking a lot of entertainment, so we'll be talking a lot of horrors, so I'm excited for that. Then that night, I'll be going on uh, my man Ben Sutter's uh, fantasy football show. And yes, I will be definitely uh, rubbing it in his face that the Dallas Cowboys lost, even though he'll probably say the same thing about my Denver Broncos and how they got crushed by the Kansas City Chiefs. But we do it all for good fun. And then on Thursday, I will be doing a bonus episode with X-Squad affiliate member John Fisher and his podcast, The Cooking with the Microwave. I definitely checked that out, by the way. There's going to be a new episode on Tuesday and a new episode on Friday as well. I'm going to have him on the show, and we're definitely going to talk a few sports, definitely give you a preview of what's to come on week eight. Then... I'm not going to be doing much uh, much of anything on Friday because I'll be uh, preparing myself for a Halloween party with some good friends of mine. But I will be back on Saturday with the DJ Storytime, Saturday morning mimosa and liquor mix. I'll be doing that starting at 9 a.m. my time, 11 o'clock for all you New Yorkers and East Coasters out there. And then to wrap up the week... Abby is coming on to Keeping It 100 this Sunday with the Dynamic Trio. You know, it's a, it's a culmination of really starting our next season, season two off right with the person that, in all honesty, if I have to keep it 100, has been was the one of the prime influences for the show being made and how this team was created. So there's going to be a lot of exciting stuff this week. There's definitely going to be a lot of fun content that I am going to be a part of. It will be a fantastic week for me. It will be a fantastic week as well for all the viewers out there for all the audience definitely gives you a lot of exposure to some really great shows out there you know a lot of other shows that you need to pay attention to besides mine because you know i'm not the only podcaster out there there are other great shows that are out there making content i've had other guest appearances from some of these other podcasters so it'll be nice to you know instead of them coming out to my show giving you know in in theory or in practice, giving myself out to all these other shows as well. So we were going to have a really fun time there. But with all that being said, again, we have covered week seven of the NFL season. We have uh, taken a look at the MLB World Series and how uh, how that is going to uh, wrap, how that, that is going to shape up on Tuesday. 
We are also had talked about a little bit about the Black Clover, just a little bit, get you some spoiler discussions for uh, episodes 16 through 20, and also gave you a, a review of the episodes 20 through 24, and I've also given you a little bit about uh, what's to come for this particular week. So, with all that being said, this is Jordan Rosario, aka DJ Storytime for the Keeping It 100 podcast, and we're signing off.